All right, V1 New York, who is excited? V1 Global, everybody around the world for five for five. Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate today all of the communicators that are going to help us out as we step into part two. Come on, you can do better than that. I've got an all-star lineup waiting for you today. Oh, thank you so much for showing them some love. You know, as the lead pastor of V1 Church, it is my heart's delight to raise up male and female communicators. Come on, I believe that God's opening their mouth to release a word around the world, and it's such a high honor to be on this stage. Um, But I'll tell you what, as a leader, it is the joy of my heart to see them run with the word that God gave them for our house. And so I'm only gonna take a few minutes Uh, But five for five is an opportunity for you to hear from multiple communicators from our church today as we step into part two. Do you have your notes ready? Come on, are your pens ready? Are your notepads ready? Because we're going to step into part two of toxic people. Now, before we jump in, I do want to celebrate the fact that we have over 2,500 people who signed up and said, Pastor Mike, I want to get toxic free from toxicity over the next 30 days. And people are getting free around the world. If you're one of those people, drop a comment right now or just shout amen so that the mics can hear you. Come on, there it is. Now, here's the thing. Today, we're gonna be dealing with the tank. So write this down in your notes, the tank. Now, I know that we probably have some people in the auditorium and watching online who are tanks. Now, now listen, don't be saying names out loud. We gotta keep everything friendly in a healing environment. And if you don't think of any names, it's probably you. Okay, let's talk about the tank. The tank is domineering. They're controlling. The tank has to get their way. The tank loves to hear their own voice when they're talking. The tank doesn't care what you want to eat or where you want to eat. The tank just literally, like a tank, rolls over anyone and everything in their way. Come on. I know that you had some names come to mind, and I would ask that we would be kind of the kind of church that doesn't let it slip out of their mouth, okay? Keep it to yourself. But the tank, the tank, I want to do a little bit more of an analysis of what a tank is before I hand it off to my man, Daniel Santis. I know he's waiting in the rafters right now to come up and spit some fire, but I've got just one more minute, and you need to understand that the tank is a kind of person that has built their reputation on diminishing other people's accomplishments. Come on, diminishing other people's strengths. As a matter of fact, the tank is egotistical. They're a big ego. The tank is somebody that that would have a hard time complimenting someone else, even if they are doing a good job. Because according to a tank, everybody else is dumb. Nobody else gets it. Nobody else understands. Nobody's as good at that thing as the tank. And that's why they have to bulldoze over you because they believe that they're the best. They believe... A tank is going to have a very hard time raising up leaders. A tank is going to have a very hard time raising up people. Why? Because they're convinced that they're the best. That's why they roll over everybody. Now, let me just say this. At the conclusion of this five for five, two things are going to happen. Number one, if you are a tank, we are going to dismantle you. And guess what's going to come off of you? Not just the pride, not just the domination and the domineering personality, 
but what's going to come off of you is the burden because you're carrying a burden to try to to run over other people and and you know you're lacking patience so you're going to release the burden but then the other side of the perspective is people who have been run over by the tank. You have never been able to express your own ideas. You've never been able to be lifted up and raised up. And you've been suffering under people who are like a tank. And so guess what's going to happen? You're going to have an opportunity to forgive. You're going to have an opportunity to empathize and understand. Or you're going to have an opportunity to let them go. Come on, just like we let go of the leech last week. And so we're going to do an in-depth character analysis of King Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to get your Bibles ready, and I want you all to put your hands together right now for my man, Pastor Daniel. Come on, Pastor Daniel. Let's welcome him up now. Come on, Pastor Daniel. Let's bring some fire. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for that. It's a good introduction, great introduction. We're so thankful. How many of you are happy to be in church today, being in the house of the Lord? Worship team, you're killing it. We don't need anything else. Just we, I was just set free during worship. Man, that was, I can't even say anything because, wow. All right, just so, uh, so you guys, the ones that don't know me and the ones that do, uh, my name is Pastor Daniel, Pastor Dan, whatever you want to call me. Uh, the first time I ever preached something was when I was uh, 16, 17 years old, and it was exactly on this, Daniel chapter 1. Um, and I was so nervous, I didn't know what I was doing, so I preached for five minutes, so we're right on track, and I have five minutes today, so we're good. Um, another thing about me is I'm from Argentina. Everybody from Argentina, it's a tank. If you need a tank, go to Argentina, you'll find all the tanks in the world. They all came from there. So it, it's, it's a full circle that I'm preaching about this, and this is what God speaks to me. Because when God speaks to me and I'm free, then I can speak to you from experience and not just from something that I heard. So God is going to set you free today. And it's also, it's very easy, and we very commonly do, is point the finger at somebody else. But this time, the, point, the finger is point, being pointed at me. Because I'm the tank, so I, I needed to be set free. So... Um, Thank you to our pastors for giving me this opportunity. Okay, so we're going to learn in uh, cha uh, Daniel chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a historical background to set up for the next chapters. Because there's going to be freedom coming to today. Um, in uh, chapter 1, verse 2 to, uh, verse two to 4, it says that God gave um, Israel, um, Jerusalem, to King... Um, and Forgive me the names, Nebuchadnezzar. So, I don't know. Nebi. Okay? <laughs> Nebi was there. Before we, the, the book of Daniel Drin, what's going, what's happening is, he's not the king of Babylon. He's a crown prince. And he's leading a, a military strategy to go to Egypt, attack Egypt, because there was a war between them. But they had to go around through Jerusalem, to Egypt. They were already in Egypt. While he's fighting in Egypt and he's winning his battle, he, he hears that his father passed away. Now he becomes king. So he needs to go back to Babylon to claim the throne, to claim the, the crown. On his way over there, he stops by Jerusalem. He surrounds the city and he takes over and he takes the king with him from Jerusalem and he takes the vessels, he takes the utensils that were used in the temple. 
Okay, why did he need to do this? Because he needed to show his strength. He needed to show that he could do and do whatever he wanted. That he was stronger than anything else. That he was the greatest king in the world. That he was everything. That's what a tank does. A tank rolls over you and takes everything to prove that, hey, look, look at me. I'm better. He, I don't think he was Babylonian. He was Argentinian. There's a joke that says when, when there's lightning, when there's a storm and there's flashes, God is taking pictures of us. That's how conceited, that's how much we think we're all that. And in reality, we're not. <laughs> and we're not. But that's what this king, the king of uh, Nebi, this is what he did. He took over the utensils from uh, the temple and he took it to uh, his temple of his God. But when he got there, and this is not in the Bible, but I can just use my imagination. When he compared the things that were in his temple and when he compared the things that were in the temple of our God... There was a difference. There was so much of a difference that the Bible says that he stored it in the treasury of the temple. There was treasure. There was treasure in the things that God called out to be holy. There's treasure in you. There's importance in you. That's why the king wanted to roll up because he wanted to impose himself over the things of God. He, there's tanks that want to impose themselves on you and they want to roll over you, but God is setting you free today. How can I identify the things, the tank in other people? Or how can I apply this to me? The tank builds their entire career or uses their positions to belittle the people around them. The tank not only attacks you physically, like Nebi did to Jerusalem, but he also attacks you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Okay? There's also testimonies already coming in from the first service that people were dealing with, with family members that were attacking them emotionally. They were attacking them mentally. But let me tell you something. It's a spiritual battle that we need to win, that we already won because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's resurrected. The tomb is empty. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. Amen? Do you believe that? So what's the solution to deal with the tank? It's... In Daniel 1.17 says that he, the, the youth that went to Babylon in exile, uh, they did not contaminate themselves with the food of the king. So that's what you have to do to deal with the tank. Do not contaminate yourself with anger and sin in your heart. Don't be filled with anger. Don't be filled with sin because of what you're going through. But instead, separate yourself from God and he will set you free because you're his treasures. You are important. He will guide you to all truth, says John 16, 13. He will give you skills, wisdom, understanding that you never thought that it was possible. The things that you thought that you could not do, you will be able to do because greater is the one that he's with you than the one that is in the world. Amen. Woo. Jesus is here. And I'll leave you with this because I only have five minutes and I already went over. So I did better than the first time I preached. <laughs> if you're a victim of the tank, you need to forgive that person because it will set you free. But if you're the tank like me, you need to ask for forgiveness to those that you have hurt. And I'll leave you with that. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, for that word. My name is Pastor Jocelyn. For those that don't know me, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I just want to give honor to our pastors, Pastor Mike and Julie. We thank you that you are investing in each and every one of us to allow us to share this stage with you. It's been such an honor. 
Um, and so today we're going to be talking, we're talking about toxic people. And aren't you guys enjoying this um, sermon series? God um, put this on Pastor Mike's heart and he's dismantling the toxic people because God is coming back for a church, for a bride that's clean. And, and Pastor Mike wants to bring us on a journey of getting emotionally and spiritually healthy. And so it's so good um, what's happening uh, today, this, this series. And so I'm going to pick it up from Daniel chapter 2. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream, and he won't tell anyone the dream, but he wants them to tell him the dream and interpret it. So he's saying, uh, I don't want to tell you what the dream is, but I want you to tell me what it is, and I want you to interpret it for me. So verse 1, it says, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such, disturb, such disturbing dreams that he could not sleep. He called his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. But none of them knew what the dream was or what the dream meant. And so he was really angry. And then we're going to pick it up in verse four. And he says, the king was furious when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. So if you're taking notes, the king underlined furious and he was angry and he wanted everyone to be executed King Nebuchadnezzar used his anger to dominate in order to get the result he wanted. He had blinding rage and he was thinking irrationally. And there's a problem here. Anger is used to dominate. And today we're talking about toxic people, the tank. And I want you to think for a minute about a military tank, a heavily armored combat vehicle that bulldozes over anything in its path. The tank always feels like they're right. They crush everything in its wake. They're aggressive, they're confrontational, they're angry, they're abusive. And if you can just write this down, you can't con change what you're not willing to confront. You can't change what you're not willing to confront. And King Nebuchadnezzar was unwilling to confront his anger and the heart posture he had. And I counsel people and counsel uh, marriages, spouses, and sometimes spouses want to dominate with anger and they fight, they can't agree. And I always give them this wisdom nugget and I would have given this wisdom nugget to King Nebuchadnezzar. James 1, 19, 20 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you shall all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And if you are a toxic person, we need a character adjustment. And I've been one that I've been bulldozed over by a toxic person through different leaders in my life and the head, uh, uh, just even like in my family and different leaders, bosses, different things like that. But then I've also learned to be a tank. How many of us have both where we've been victimized by a tank, but then we can also be a tank because we've learned how to do that. 
And so we need a character adjustment. We need to realign our visibility to God's vision. See, King Nebuchadnezzar, later he built a statue and he wanted to be visible. And the tank wants to be visible so that others can see them. Secondly, we need to set boundaries. Boundaries help us not run over ourselves, nor will it allow the tank to run over us because we have the power to set boundaries and give ourselves a voice. We've all been affected by a toxic person in our lives and that has been a tank, whether it's a boss, a parent, a spouse. But I want to leave you with this question. What is it that you're not willing to confront today that needs to be changed? Man, that was so good. Let's give it up for Pastor Jocelyn. Yeah, come on. How many of you were here uh, first service? Who's double dipping? Oh, we got a, we got a few. All right. My, um, my iPad just froze up. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to dive into Daniel chapter 3 today. And uh, how many of you are familiar with Daniel chapter 3 with the fiery furnace and the gold statue? We got a few. Okay, okay. So the gold statue in Daniel chapter 3 verse 1, it says that Nebuchadnezzar had made a gold statue that was 90 feet high. That's a big statue. It, like, imagine like 10 of these screens. I don't know how accurate that is, but if you were to stack 10 of these screens, it's around 90 feet. That's a high statue. Okay, then you jump to verse two and three. It says that he gathers everyone together. And then in Daniel chapter three, four through six, it says, then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar, or King Nebi, has set up. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> oh, he moved. I don't even know where he's at. <laughs> he got me. <laughs> Um, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. How many of you think that sounds like a good, a good time? <laughs> not here. <laughs> so in verse four and five, he commands everyone to worship the statue once the music starts. In verse six, he ensures their worship by creating fear. You either worship or you die a fiery death. You get thrown into this furnace and you die. So a lot of uh, toxic tanks, they'll use fear as a tactic, as motivation. So once the music starts, everyone starts worshiping this gold image and the they're, they're getting into it. So then you jump down Daniel chapter 3, 8 through uh, 18. The people come forward. They accuse Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, the three other uh, people of not worshiping this God. So then Daniel three thirteen it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king in rage and fury, it said. That sounds like a tank, doesn't it? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar is enraged that they don't worship the gods, his gods, or his statues. The, tank, the tank's rage ignites the more they feel threatened. 
the tank gives another ultimatum. He says, either worship my gods or be thrown into the furnace. And then he says this, let's see if your God can save you from me. Come on, that's our God he's talking about. He said, your God can't save you from my hand. (laughs) That's a bold statement. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is Daniel 3, 16 through 18, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Come on, they refused to comply to the king's demands. They said, we would rather die worshiping our God, the true God, than to ever bow our knees to your false images, to your false gods, to your beliefs. We are gonna stand up for what's right and we are going to press in and believe that our God can save us. And even if he doesn't, we're in a better place. Come on, the tank is so unstable in their ways that they will try to force you to worship their accomplishments and dispose of you by any means necessary if you don't comply. The tank ignites with anger in an instant. The tank doesn't care about your opinions because their opinion is the only thing that matters. Their opinion is the only right answer. All right, if we jump down, it says the king was enraged and ordered for the furnace to be seven times hotter. So then in Daniel chapter 3, 22, the men who uh, tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and went to throw them into this furnace, as soon as they opened the doors, they were immediately, they immediately died from the heat. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into this furnace. And then if we jump down again, it says that the king was like, what's going on? I see a fourth man standing in this fire and I see them all walking around right now and they don't have any shackles on them. They don't have any of this stuff on them anymore. What is going on? So he had them go open the doors and figure out what's going on. So this is what, this is what happens. When you stand up for what's right, even if you're bound You can't stay bound forever if your spirit is unbound. If your spirit is free, no shackles can hold you down. No shackles can stay on you, and the fire can't even burn you. What was meant to kill them, it says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them when they came out. Come on, that's our God. That's the true God, the real God. (laughs) All right. Let's jump down. Daniel 3, 26 through 30. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stayed strong in the Lord and refused to comply, refused to bow down their knees to this false God, this is what the Lord did. It says that he delivered them from the fire. He redeemed their names. Because in chapter one, if you go back, it says that the king didn't even like their names. So he gave them new names according to his religion and all of that stuff. So he changed their names. He was like, nah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting down with your names. Let's give you new ones. The Lord redeems their names. He caused the heart of the tank, the king, to turn towards the Lord. And then it says that he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, your promotion could be on the other side of you standing up for what you believe in, standing up for what's right, standing up for the gospel, and standing up for Jesus. That's all I got for today. Let's give it up for Pastor Julie.
Man, Pastor Chase, that was strong. I, we didn't know this, uh, but you just set me right up. So I'm just going to tee off on what uh, I'm talking about the names, right? Have you guys, has this been helpful to you? Are you guys getting something out of it today? Man, I mean, we miss Pastor Mike, but I am so enjoying hearing from all of you guys. And um, he is ministering, if you didn't know, he's ministering in, in Washington, Washington State, by the way. It's a little far. Pray for me. I like to be close. You know what I mean? Like, like to be on the same hemisphere, but it's fine. We're good. We're good. Geography majors, don't message me. I'm sure it's in the same hemisphere. But I got an MBA, so don't, <laughs> so I don't know about the geography, okay? I can make you a profit. I don't know. We get feisty at the 11. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Um, but we are talking about the tank, right? Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi, as we like to call him here at V1 Church. If you're just logging in, I'm sure you're like, what's happening? But um, we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He's personified as this tank personality, just rolling over people. And so um, I'm gonna pick it up in Daniel chapter four, verse 19. I really wanna invite you guys to read through these other chapters this week and don't take our word for it especially the way we pronounce these names. Don't take our word for it. But I want you to dig into the word on your own and I want you to really find what message does God have for you inside of this story. And so uh, in Daniel 4, verse 19, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I'm just gonna read part of it. And then I got a couple scriptures of you to put in your back pocket for later. But it says, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, I probably butchered it too, Pastor Dan. I don't know where you are, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say it right. But we're gonna say Belshazzar. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. So here's the thing, control. So as Pastor Chase said, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he takes these, um, these young boys and, or these young men and he renames them. He gives them a different name. He gives them a pagan name. So he takes their Hebrew name. He gives them a pagan name. But I love how when you read the scripture, the Lord always refers to him as Daniel. And when the king talks about him later on in the scripture, he calls him by his pagan name, his Babylonian name. And so here's the thing about control. Control always seeks to dominate your identity. Control, the tank, that tendency, it always seeks to dominate and change your identity. The Lord calls him Daniel, but control, fear, that spirit called him Belshazzar. So fear and control will call you by a different name. Let me break it down for you in some of your circles. Maybe, maybe this kind of resonates with you. The rowdy one, the loud one the angry one, the black sheep of the family, the inconsistent one, the unfaithful one, the addict, the liar, the cheater. You see how we try to name people with our control? We all do it. We're all guilty of it. Every one of us has this tank tendency. As a wife, I really have it. I wanna control the restaurant. I want to control where we're going to eat, right? Anybody? Only a few of you. Okay, whatever. We'll talk later. But a control freak 
will always seek to create an identity for you that makes them feel better. Tanks want to run you over. They will use physical force and emotional force. Matthew 26, verses 52 and 54. This is Jesus, okay? And Jesus said to them, put your sword back in its place. For all you who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? We don't fight emotional battles with emotional weapons. We can't fight physical battles with physical weapons. If you, are, if you intentionally are hurt by reinforcing boundaries, if somebody hurts you because you've enforced boundaries, if you are um, intentionally taken from by enforcing boundaries or saying God's standards, if you have to wonder, how is this gonna harm me if I speak God's word on it? you are dealing with a toxic person. If you are the kind of person who hurts others when they tell you the truth or lashes out on others when they tell you the truth, you are toxic. So there's just some like litmus test there to determine. And Jesus said, put the swords away because what you fight with, you die with. You cannot fight your emotionally abusive spouse with emotionally abusive language back. You cannot fight your legalistic neighbor with legalism. If you are afraid of being alone, but you sabotage every relationship you've ever had, and in turn making yourself alone, if you manipulate others so that you don't have to feel lonely, you will still die by loneliness. Not physically, but emotionally. If you swing a sword, you will die by it. So we have to learn, this is Jesus. This is the redeemer of our lives, the redeemer of our sin. He's saying, you know, the world is gonna tell you that you gotta fight for your rights. I won't sing the rest. (laughs) You got to fight back. But Jesus says, you don't have to fight because at any point he could have called down heaven and heaven would have obeyed and listened to him and fought his battle for him. But there was something about the submission And so you might think, well, why can't I just fight it the way that I want to fight it? Because Jesus is trying to perfect your faith. He wants something deeper for you. He ain't trying to win the battle. He wants you to win the war. You know what I mean? Some of y'all are dying on molehills and God's like, man, let's fight for the gospel together. You're trying to win arguments in your home and God's saying, why don't, like I'm fighting for your whole marriage, not over the TV remote. Put your weapons away. We have all the weapon we need. I I left my Bible somewhere, but it's big. 
Let's just pretend I'm digital. We're good with it. You have all the, the weapon you need in God's word. We are not tanks at V1 Church. We are not tanks in our marriage. We're not tanks in our workplace. We're not tanks in our ministries. Hello. We are not tanks. We don't let people operate as tanks. Thank you, worship leader, for not being a tank. You are awesome. I know I told you that first service, but I'm telling you again. We teach these guys to lead with love, leave with encouragement. Doesn't mean anything goes. But even as believers, sometimes we can become tanks because we have a fear of going back to where we were. How many came up out of a pit? Am I the only one? We have a fear about going back to where we were. And I see this all the time when we counsel marriages and different things. Spouses come back to the Lord and then all of a sudden they become control freaks. Cause they're like, we ain't going back. You know, and if you've ever been in a bad place, you understand that fear is real, right? Am I right? But real freedom is not how much control you have. See, I've, I believe we've gotten like an American definition of peace, which says I'm in control of the situation or the situation is controlled to me. But true peace says God has it under control. Fear says control, but peace says God has it in his control. It has it in his end, hands. And so we are not, we do not believe, if you are maybe, have some of you own businesses and some of you are leaders in your community or leaders on your team or leaders on your staff or here at church and we believe that fearful leaders feel elements of control. They feel the need to control everything, but peace-filled leaders send. They send their children out of the home, even though it's hard. I've got a 14-year-old, I'm like dreading it. But a fearful leader, and I found this as a parent, I've been a, I've been a tank parent. Can I just get real? I'm gonna control everything you do. And I'm learning as my, as my kids get older, I'm having to release a little bit of that to the Lord, step by step. Because I have to be trust and assured that whatever the Lord has given to me that I poured into them, that he's gonna accomplish the purpose that he sent it. And so if you're a parent who's struggling in here with fear, I am like right here, I will meet you at the altar. I get you, I see you but we need to be peace-filled parents. We need to be peace-filled pastors. We need to be peace-filled leaders, not control tanks, trying to dominate anything and everything around us because we want the control. Do you see how, how sneaky the enemy is when it comes to fear, control, and domination? He makes it think, oh, well, you don't wanna go back to where you were, so you better control it. But peace says that my future is secure, that my faith is secure and that God loves me and he wants good, good things for me. Because here's the thing, at the end of his life, did you know that Nebuchadnezzar did end up acknowledging that he was the one true God? But guess what it cost him? Out of his disobedience, out of his fear and control, it cost him everything. 
He was sitting in a palace. He could have committed his life to the Lord then. He could have acknowledged it because Nebuchadnezzar was in a cycle. He would say, um, you know, I have this thing, I need some help. They would call in a, uh, Daniel, he would interpret the dream. Um, he would ignore the advice. He would do whatever he did anyways. Then he would get shamed in front of people and then he would acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Have you ever known anybody in that cycle before? And so at the end of his life, it was prophesied to him, this was not a secret. He sure enough was eating grass off the ground to stay nourished. And then it hit him. God is who he said he is. I don't want y'all to go that way. We don't have to go that way. We have Jesus. We have a savior who graciously and abundantly gave us redemption for our sin. And so we don't have to go down that road. We don't have to go all the way to the pit that Jesus took our sin and that we can have restoration and redemption. And so what I wanna caution you today is some of you, if you don't break this cycle, you might find yourself at the bottom and the Lord saying, hey, you don't have to go that road. Like, we got you. I sent you five pastors at V1 Church to say, break the tank. Break the tank, like we don't have to do this. At the end of the day, pride ended up robbing him of the goodness in his life. as goodness defined by, you know, what he had accumulated over those years. And so we have to break the seat of pride in our life. In Proverbs, it talks about how pride comes before a downfall. The common denominator of tanks is pride. Let me tell you, acknowledging pride is painful. It hurts a little. Have you ever had to say you're sorry to a spouse? You feel like you'd like rather die than utter the words. I mean, there are times when I'm like sweating, like and I'd be like, Lord, I will eat a cockroach right now. Like, I do not want to say I'm sorry. I'll do anything else. But we've got to break the seat of pride in our marriages. We have to break the seat of pride in our families. We got to break the seat of pride in our leadership. We have to break the seat of pride in our serving. I don't want to be half free. I want to be all the way free. I don't want prideful tendencies in me. And I'm so thankful that we have a church that lovingly acknowledges those, as uncomfortable as it might be, in group text sometimes. I'm like, alrighty, that's me. That one's for me. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. I want to read this to you. Um, you could stand with me if you, if you can. Ephesians 1, 7 through 14. It says, because here's the redemptive part. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. It doesn't say some of you have redemption. It says, in him we have redemption, tanks included, praise God. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, say all things, all things 
Him things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have ordained an inheritance. Say inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, say inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Some of you guys have inherited generations of tanks. Some of you are fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and 10th generations. We're getting free today. We're getting free from people who have been controlled by tanks. And if we have been a tank in our parenting, in our marriage, in our job, in our leadership, we're getting free today. We are not staying bound in here. And so we're just break, can I, can I just break it down to you real quick? Because remember I started out saying tanks sink to change identity. It wants total domination, total control. So I'm reading through chapters one through four, studying for this message, and I see the word eunuch over and over and over. And you see this in the Old Testament. So I'm looking it up and I'm like, what's a eunuch? Boys, guys, brace yourself. I'm about to give you some insight. I didn't know, kind of wish I still didn't know, but here we are eunuch. This is Nebuchadnezzar said, my eunuch, my head eunuch, all this stuff. Eunuch, eunuch, eunuch. Okay, what is it? What the king would do is bring men around him to serve and he would castrate them. Now, we don't know if Daniel and the other guys were also castrated. We're not sure because there isn't any biblical, um, there's no scriptures that talk about that. Um, some scholars believe that he was because he was never married. He never had children, kind of fits that definition, especially in that time, everyone in that household. But here's what the Nebuchadnezzar, who decreed all these people to be castrated, tanks seek destroying legacy. They do not want legacy. They don't want to be threatened in any person around them. And so they dominate by fear and control. God, we pray that we are breaking free from domination, fear, and control today. Every lineage that is represented of fear, domination, and control, we break right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we decree and declare that every piece of bondage is broken from now rippled through generations. God, we decree and declare that the generations that come after us are going to be submitted, peace-filled, confident leaders who honor and obey the commands in scripture. Father God, we release ourselves from the bonds of wickedness, of fear and control. And we just um, accept your freedom through Jesus on the cross. 
God, we accept that into our life in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I wanna do. I would like our prayer team to come forward. Last service, we had tons of people getting free from domination. And so we wanna open up these altars now. So if you're on our prayer team, you can just line up. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the freedom, or we're gonna sing about the freedom that's in Jesus. But first, I wanna encourage you that if you have felt stripped of legacy, we want you to come in here and receive prayer. We want you to be free. If you felt like fear, domination, and control from parents, from overbearing family members, from bosses, from leaders, from pastors, we want you to be free. We do not want you to be bound in wickedness. And so these altars are going to be open. We want you to come now. If you're watching online and you wanna be free, I wanna tell you that there is freedom for you, that you can be free in the name of Jesus, and that your marriages can be healed, whole, set free, and delivered. So church, here's what we're gonna do. These altars are open. There's people here. You can come down right here and receive prayer from Joanna. There are people, yep, come on, let's keep that aisle open right here, yeah. We're just gonna open these altars. And if you're here and you say, Julie, I need to be free, I feel like frozen. I wanna tell you that's fear, domination, and control. And we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You can be free. You can be free. The Bible says that we've already received our inheritance through the Holy Spirit. It is sealed and we are acquiring possession of it. 